Oh, thank you, Stephen. Deep to my Piedmont International family. It just, it, it's just a, somebody said it's good to see you back. You know, I, I love to come and share with the family at Piedmont International. I, I'm part of the family. Michael and Cynthia, as, as uh, Stephen said, we go back a long way, back to the 70s. My wife sends her greetings. Uh, we didn't plan well, and I'm going to have you pray for, for me before I begin, uh, because she could have driven up with me. I'm leaving here and going on to Kinston and to Philadelphia, and then the next weekend I'll be in, in, uh, in Lynchburg, and then the weekend after that I'll be in Dallas. And so I'm starting a real busy travel season, and I really need your prayers. I'll be speaking tonight at Westover, this afternoon at the Westover Church for two hours in the Perspectives course. All of you are invited. Uh, I can invite guests to the course. Um, and I just, my wife and I said, wow, why didn't we plan on driving up? And then she could have just driven back home just an hour. She, we could have shared together. But it, everything came kind of, after the holidays, it kind of overwhelmed us and came on quickly. So you understand. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Doing good? I'm going to tell you what I want to try to do this morning. What I've been wrestling with what to share with, uh, with Piedmont. And, and I want to uh, encourage you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. The Holy Spirit, of course, is sovereign, so he can do whatever he wants. To encourage you with not a lot of strenuous exhortation. I have a tendency when I get to ministering and preaching to get very, very. Uh, so I want to I want to leave you with a word of encouragement that I hope lines right up with what Pastor Stephen is and, and and the staff has been leading you into as a congregation. Okay. Um, because I'm going into such, this first couple of months is going to be very, very strenuous. I need you to pray for me before I minister. Okay? Amen. And usually I have congregations pray for me after I minister for God to pour back in what I've poured out. But I need the wisdom as I go forth. Because I, I came up last night on the train. They're going to drive me to Durham this afternoon, evening, this evening after the class. Then I'm going to drive to Kinston, drive back to RDU, fly to Philadelphia, fly back to Charlotte. That's stressful. <laughs> Amen. So all of you believe in the power of prayer, just come on up and lay hands on me. Ask God to come on up. Just come on up. You believe in the power of prayer, just come on, on, come on up and pray for me. Come on up, Pastor Prince. Yeah. Pray for God to give me wisdom to, to give out in a, a way that he wants me to that I won't shortchange anybody. You understand what I'm saying? I need the energy to minister, and I need the wisdom to minister in an appropriate way. So pray for me. And then pray for Gladys, Cynthia. Pray for Gladys as I travel these next couple of months. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for our brother, Lord, that you sent to be in our midst today, God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the resurrection power that resides yes, within him, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom that resides within him, Father. We come before you with our brother, Lord. We ask you to fill him with your spirit, with wisdom, with power, with love, with discernment, Lord. May your word come forth in the name of Jesus, Lord, to minister to us, Lord, so we can turn back and minister to you. 
Father God, we lift up Gladys, Lord, and Phil, Lord, as he travels, Lord. Keep him safe. Keep them safe, Lord. Keep her safe, Lord. Protect them, Lord, and bring him back after he's done everything that you've assigned for him to do while he's away, Lord. Bring him back, Lord, strong and refreshed, just as before he left, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. And minister to Gladys, encourage her and strengthen her, Lord, to do the things that you've anointed her to do in this season in Jesus' name. Lord, I see the fire of the Holy Spirit resting on Dr. Nelson. Holy Spirit, come as a, as a mighty rushing wind, as a, uh, a, a cleansing fire, as you begin to burn away the, 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 the battle scars and the weariness of traveling, God. Just step into Dr. Nelson every time he opens his mouth, but also give him the wisdom to rest when he needs to, to truly take a Sabbath in your presence, to press in and not run on empty. Lord, I rebuke the, the, the devourer. I rebuke sickness. I rebuke, uh, I rebuke the, the enemy's attack. You have, you have no place in this ministry. You have no place in the word. I rebuke it over, over Dr. Nelson's life. You, you must stand back. Because God, you have appointed Dr. Nelson for this season to, to be busy, to be at work to be doing what you've called him to do. And you're going to stand in him and stand with him. You're going to comfort his family while he's gone. You're gonna give him patience and peace and wisdom and grace for those that help him travel. Just an unnatural grace will rest upon Dr. Nelson. Thank you, Lord, for doing what you're, you're going to do. Bless him as he shares with us this morning. Open our ears, open our hearts as we receive from, from you through him. Thank you, Lord, for, for this ministry in Jesus' name. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise your name. My God. The word that I want to leave you with this morning is discern the season. Discern the season that you're in personally, your family is in. Discern the season that this church is in. Discern what God is doing in this season. If you can purpose to do that, you, you're in for a great adventure because God is moving in an awesome way all over the world. He's moving right where you are, right where we are. He's moving. And if you can simply commit yourself to discipline yourself, to pray and fast, it's, it's no accident that you're in a time of fasting because this is what God has said. If you want to move with me, if you need to discern the season and pray and fast. Pray and you'll be able to discern it. You'll be able to see what God is doing. He'll show you in your prayer time. He'll show you. He'll show you how the season you're in fits into the larger season 
of what he's doing. So discern the season. God is working. He's working in mighty ways. Part of the confusion in the larger uh, cultural dynamic that we're part of, and especially in this, this uh, sometimes I feel like I'm in, in an alternate universe when I think about the, the political season that just ended. But the Lord reminded me, I'm working and the enemy is trying to distract God's people from what I'm doing. That's what that, all of that confusion in the political realm is about. Let me distract you, the enemy is saying, so you don't focus on what God is doing. I want you to focus on all this other stuff rather than what, what God is doing. Let me share with you two dynamics. I'm going I'm to be very, we're going to minister again at the end because I want us to be in agreement. I want us to be in agreement. There's power in agreement. It releases the power and the anointing of God when we're in agreement. That's why the enemy tries his best to, to, to just, uh, uh, interrupt that agreement. So I want us to be in agreement that this church is not going to miss God. Amen? This fellowship, this body is going to be part of what God is doing in this season. We're going to discern the season. Turn in your Bibles, in your Bibles or in your devices. And I saw Cynthia earlier on her device. Next time I come here, I might have a device. I'm a, I'm a late adopter with technology. So I still have a hard copy Bible that I carry around. Amen. John 15, uh, there's a passage of Scripture I want to relate it to the end of the, of the book. This, this dynamic is always at work. We're just not aware of it, which is why we need to discern the season. But this dynamic of life-renewing, multi-generational uh, fruitfulness is, is, is at work. All right? Here's Jesus talking to his disciples about winning the world. I love this. Here's the dynamic that's going to multiply this small group of followers into a worldwide movement. And it happens over many generations. And so we want to we understand it. And I want to relate this to the end of the book. Jesus says to his disciples, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Okay. I am the vine. I'm the one where the life is flowing through. My father is the one that's causing the life to flow. But I'm the vine. I'm the source. My father, the husbandman, and we, they work together to produce the life. Now, every branch, now here's a mystery. There's two mysteries. Let, well, let me, let me finish this, and then I'll tell you a couple of mysteries. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Hope you're noticing the degrees of fruitfulness now. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch, is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire. They're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, 
you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein, now here's where I'm going to. Here's where he's taking us to, and I'm going to show you the full culmination of this. Herein is my Father, what? Glorified. See, that is where we're going. That is what consummates everything. That's what brings everything to fruition, the glory of God. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now let's look at the end of the book. Turn to Revelation 7, 9. He tells us where we're going, and in Revelation 7, 9, we see it in its full fullness. It's a very familiar passage. Verse 9 says, after this, this is John the Revelator, looking down the corridors of time, down through, multi, through a thousand generations to the end of time. And what does he see? He sees the fulfillment of what Jesus has poured into his disciples. He sees the full fruition. He sees it come to fruition. Through many, through many generations, it comes to fruition. That's why we need to keep our eyes on eternity. If we lose sight of the fact that we're only here for a little while, we're, we're in the land of the dying on our way to the land of the living. We're not, and there's nobody here to stay. We're all passing through. Amen? But we're going somewhere. Where are we going? We're going to a great gathering. John the Revelation says, after this, I beheld and lower great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, people, tongues, stood before the throne and before the th Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb, and all the angels stood round about the throne and the, about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne their faces and worshiped God. Saying amen. amen. Blessing. Glory. Wisdom. Thanksgiving. Honor. Power. Might. Be unto our God forever and ever. Where are we on our way to? We're on our way to a great gathering around the throne of God to give him the glory that he deserves. That's the culmination. Now, I, I, I don't want to speculate on what we're going to do as God launches us out into the rest of the universe, you know, filling us with his power and his wisdom and his creativity, and then he fills the universe with his glory. But I just want to point at the fact that in this earthly journey, we're on our way to this throne room to give him glory. Now, how do we get there? He told us in John 15. He said we have to understand the dynamics of multi-generational fruitfulness. Multi-generational fruitfulness. God produces fruit generation after generation after generation until he culminates in this great, great multitude of, of, of gathered in harvest. And that multitude is gathered in for a purpose, and that's to break him, to glorify him. So the, the, the thing that drives us in this movement is the thing, uh, the fuel that drives us is his glory. 
And the outcome that drives us is his glory. It's all one dynamic. Now, the challenge is to keep that focus because the enemy wants to get us out of focus. He doesn't want us to know how simple this thing is. It's not hard. It's not hard. If we keep our focus, if we can discern that God is always at work, then we can cooperate with him. So what happens? Life. Life happens. Life happens. Somebody said the problem with life is that it's so daily. <laughs> I tell you, daily. We have to face the challenges, the attacks of the enemy, the weaknesses in our flesh, and the choices that other people make that affect us. Life is daily, and we got to face it daily. So how do we keep our focus? How do we keep it? Jesus gave us so many ways. He showed us how. But I think what he taught the disciples in John 15 is a powerful dynamic, the dynamic of understanding the process of multi-generational fruitfulness. So let's look at that. I'm the vine, the true vine. My father is the husbandman. The father and the son are working to accomplish the kingdom purpose. The father and the son are constantly at work to accomplish what we saw at the end. How do we get this great end gathering? How do we gather all of the people of God together around my throne at the end of history? How do we get them there? Well, he says it's, it's, it's a plant. It's a it's a, uh, a, it's a life-giving dynamic at work. Now, here's the mystery. Here's the mystery. The great mystery is that God in his sovereignty is going to bring it to pass. Nothing that the enemy can do will stop it. Nothing that we do will stop it. God is sovereign. He reigns in the affairs of men and nations. God rules over all. That, that is a mystery because he invites us to join him. So therefore, we make choices that affect the outcome, or at least it affects the interim outcome, because there's this mysterious interplay between God's sovereignty and our obedience. See, we can cooperate with God as we journey in this a kingdom dynamic of fruitfulness and seasons coming and going, and we can get results as a, as, as a result of our obedience. Our choices have consequences. Now, this is, this is the mystery. Can we stop God's program? No. Can we affect his program? Yes, because we make choices. We're all in a circle, within a circle, within a circle, within a circle. And so the choices that we make influence our circle. But it doesn't stop God's big program. No matter what choices you make, God's sovereignty is going to work it all together for good, and we're going to all gather together at his throne in the end. But <laughs> in between... We can make good choices or bad choices. And those choices have consequences. And that is the mysterious interplay between 
The sovereign God taking your good choices and working them into his plan, taking your bad decisions and working them into his plan, taking the decisions in your family that people make that, that, that you, 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 you were born into a family and somebody had made decisions years before that are affecting you. But it's not stopping God's program. So look at the multi-generations of fruitfulness. All right? Let's look at it. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, there's another mystery. How can a branch be in Christ and not bear fruit? How can we be in Christ and not bear fruit? I don't understand that. It's a mystery. But it must be possible because he said it. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Well, uh, uh, people who are, there is some insight. People who, who grow plants can tell you, especially uh, when grapevines, they talk about uh, the, the, the branches that don't, that don't draw upon the root system. They're called suckers. They, they, they sprout out. They, they, they seem to be growing, but they're not really drawing upon the root system to constantly replenish. So they don't produce fruit. They just have barrenness, but they're in the vine. They're called suckers. That's why they have to be cut. Because if you don't cut the suckers, the other branches don't bear succulent fruit. So you got to get the suckers. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, there are folk in the church who are suckers. There are folk in your family that are suckers. You know any suckers in your family? They always have needs. They always hand out. They always lack. They, 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 they won't tap into the source for themselves. They're, they're sucking out the energy of the they're sucking out the energy. You know them when you go, if you've ever been part of a group and a person has been a sucker in the group, you know the suckers in the group. <laughs> They're the ones that, that, that the atmosphere, when they come in, it changes. They don't bring in something to lift everybody up. They come in complaining. They come in talking about the negative. They come in and talking about what's not present, what's not happening. You know, you know that you met some folk like that in your family <laughs> and in your in your in your your sphere, so there's the there's this there's another mystery, and that and that is this: you have a choice of whether or not you're going to be a sucker, because everybody has to make their own choice. But when you're part of a fellowship like like Piedmont International, you're part of the Church of God, you're part of a family. There's also a corporate dynamic, and there's the mystery again. When we call the church to prayer, some people respond to the call at a deeper level than others for whatever reason. They accept the fact that it's going to take discipline to pray. It's going to take turning your plate down if you want to go really deep. It's going to take uh, uh, consistency. If you want to really press into God's presence, you have to exercise some disciplines. Not everybody's willing to do that. It's a personal call. Everybody has a personal invitation to prayer. But guess what? The level of your personal invitation to prayer will impact the corporate prayer dynamic. You're personally called to pray, but it's going to have a corporate impact. 
So if you decide that you're going to seek the Lord at a deep level of prayer, it's going to deepen the level of prayer for the whole body. And if you decide not to, it's going to affect the whole body. And that's a mystery. That's a mystery. I've taught on prayer all my life. My life message is prayer. I've taught on prayer here at this church a number of times. And, and the interplay between personal commitment and corporate outcomes, there's power in agreement. When the body of Christ is in, a, in one accord, there's power. The Word of God teaches that. There's a, there's a power dynamic that kicks in when we pray. Did y'all feel it earlier when we were praying? Yeah. But let me tell you something. If you've been spending much time in prayer individually, when you gather together with the body to pray, you're bringing something that somebody who's only been spending a little time is not bringing. You've been in the presence of God. You've been waiting on God. You've been ministering to God. You've been seeking God, meditating on his word. You've been, you've been uh, opening your heart and asking him to speak. That takes time. That takes effort. That takes discipline. You can't, you don't just love, that's not a once a week prayer thing. You got to wake up early in the morning sometimes. Now, if you're not willing to pay that price, you still have a contribution to make. Your personal presence is still important, still vital. It's still, you're still making a contribution, but it's just not at a, at a, at a deeper level. So there's that mystery. God's sovereignty, our, resp- our personal commitment to that to his purpose, our personal commitment, and our corporate involvement. There's this interplay. So let's look again at, this, at the passage. So Jesus is, is, is teaching that this dynamic is at work, and it goes from level to level to level, and that's what we're calling you to do. It says, now, I love that. It says, every branch, chapter, verse 2, every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, this is a very unpleasant, generally speaking, experience. When challenges come into our life. Now, let me tell you something. Is anybody here part of a family? There's drama in your family. Anybody here part of an extended family? Uncle Bubba and all them... Anybody here, you know your cousins, your, your grandparents, anybody here, great-grandchildren, that, that, that multi-generational dynamic, uh-huh. stuff happens. You either have drama in your family or you have trauma. <laughs> anybody got drama in your family? I know about drama. Yeah. I also know about trauma. You know, drama is like self-inflicted. Trauma is what happens to you. Life happens. You you can't keep life from happening. Sickness, death, premature death, dislocations, all kinds of things that happen that you have no control over, trauma. But then there's the choices that we make in our family that create drama, you know. You got cousins you haven't spoken to in months or years. You got, y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) He says, the purging happens because of the trauma and the drama. 
If God has his, had his way, it would be all straight lines. We'd be, in, we'd be in the kingdom. We'd be saved. We'd be fruitful. We'd bear much fruit and go on to heaven. But people are involved. <laughs> I pastored seven churches, Pastor. Most churches that I went to had been through drama and were in trauma. They were in seasons. You know, churches have seasons and pastors have seasons. And, and if, you can, if you can discern the season, you can cooperate with what God is doing in the season. But if you can't discern the season, you'll miss God. And that's what happens with churches. God is bringing a season of harvest because you've been faithfully sowing. And now the harvest comes and he says, now get the harvest. But if there's drama going on, you miss the harvest. See, the problem with missing the season is that you don't just get a harvest in due season. You also get seeds for the next harvest. See, you get a harvest in due season because God brings harvest from sowing. If you sow, you're going to reap. And when God brings the harvest, what is it important to do? Get the harvest. Don't, don't expect the harvest when it's sowing time. Don't expect the harvest when it's cultivating time. Don't get frustrated because you have to wait on the harvest. The harvest is in God's hand. God brings the harvest. We don't bring the harvest. We sow the seeds. We cultivate the soil. We water it with prayer. We wait on God, and God brings the harvest. But the danger is to get frustrated while God is preparing the harvest. Instead of keeping your eyes on him. See, that's, that's frustrating. Why, why isn't there more fruit? Why isn't there more? Because it's not harvest time yet. Relax. The harvest is coming. If you keep praying, you'll know what season you're in. God will show you. He'll show you. He'll show you. He'll take you back and show you the sowing that you've done and how he's prepared you and how he's prepared the soil and how he's prepared the, the and then he'll show you how, how the, the season and the cycles change. And he'll show you, oh, listen, I, I'm going to give a testimony in a minute. I've got to share this, but I, I'm, I want to get on. I want to finish. I don't want to. just want you to see the dynamic. Don't miss the season. When you discern what season you're in, you'll know when it's harvest time. And that's when you start getting increase, which is what it says here. Okay, that says you purge it that it may bring forth more fruit. Why do we have to purge it? have to purge it because of the trauma and the drama. Because, of, because we, people make decisions and, and, and it complicates. And God has to purge out uh, the dross so that we can bring forth more fruit. There's the increase. Now, praise God. If this morning we, we experienced this. I experienced it. It was wonderful. It said, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken to you. I, pastor stood up and talked about, let's stay right here in this moment, this moment of praise and of worship. Let's press on in. When you, many times during the last year, I've, I've been, it's been a tremendous year of doors opening for ministry, and God had to remind me, stay in the moment. Because whenever there is progress in the kingdom, there's always counterattack from the enemy. Whenever there's increase, the enemy always counterattacks. Okay? And you have to stay in the moment. Because you'll lose sight of the, where you are. You're in the increase. The enemy's trying to attack you to distract you from that. And if you don't stay in the moment, you'll lose your joy right in the middle of the harvest time. 
God is moving in a powerful, dynamic way. God is preparing great increase, and you lose your joy because the enemy is attacking, trying to distract you from what God is doing. But if you stay in the moment, what about right now? I'm talking about right now. Anybody been through anything in the past? We all have, haven't we? But what about right now? I'm talking about right now. Is God God right now? Is God good right now? Is God faithful right now? Has God provided right now? Has God healed right now? Huh? Is God in the now? Right now? Right here, right now? See, that's really, that is the illusion of time. We think of time as passing. Time is right now. All we have is right now. And God is the God of eternity, and eternity is always and if you just stay there, eternity will come rushing into your soul. One of my favorite passages of scriptures that came to pass. You know, God makes a promise. You read the scripture, God promises to do something, and then for later on the scripture it says, and it came to pass. What he promised came to pass. 400 years you're going to be in Egypt, but it came to pass. I'm going to send Messiah through 42 generations. And it came to pass. What God promises, he does. God in eternity says something. And as far as he's concerned, it's already happened. Why? Because he's a right now God. But from where we are journeying is years and decades and months and weeks. You know, we, get, we lose sight of the right now. Now we're clean. Now God is in control. Now God is sovereign. Now God is working it out. Now God is bringing the harvest. Now. See, that's how you stay in the joy of the Lord. Right now, you're clean. Right now. Now, there's some challenges ahead of you. There's some challenges behind you. All around us, there are challenges. But God is in the now, and we're clean. Right now. Thank you, Lord. See, that's, that's, you can't help but thank him when you stay in the now. You can't help but praise him when you live in the now. You can't help but give him glory because he's glorious now. He reigns. Doesn't he reign? When does he reign? Right now. Is he in control? When? Right now. He's sovereign. Wow. Well, why are we going through so much, so much struggle? Because that's part of the process of life. A part of the process. That's why he exhorts us. Look what he exhorts us to do in verse 4. Abide in me. See, Christ is always in the presence of the Father. Uninterrupted fellowship with the Father. So there's no time when he's connect, disconnected from the power and the glory and the re resources of Almighty God. Now, if that's true and we abide in him, then we're connected. And that's what the enemy doesn't want us to experience. Oh, don't experience that connectedness, that you're connected. That's why we need each other. See, when, you, when you're around people who are connected, you can tell. There's a witness. There's a, your spirit witnesses that we're connected. So we're connected to each other. We're connected to Christ. Christ is connected to the Father. Let's abide in him. He says, now, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. 
I am the vine. He keeps repeating that. Remember your source. You are the branches. He that abideth in me. And why does he repeat that? Because we need to be reminded of it. Moment by moment by moment to abide. So he repeats it over and over again. But notice what the result of that abiding is. There's the, per, there's, there's, the, there's the fruit. There's the more fruit. Now notice what the result of abiding is. I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You see the degrees of fruitfulness? This doesn't happen overnight. The seed, degrees of fruitfulness come from generations of harvest. Degrees of fruitfulness. Degrees of fruitfulness. The seasons come, the seasons go, the fruit increases. The seasons come, the, the seasons go, the fruit increases. If you abide, if you learn to live in the now, if you keep your focus on the eternal destiny that we're going towards, that it's all about his glory. It's not about uh, about my needs and my failures and my circumstances. All that is transitory. It's passing. It's all about his glory. He's going to take all that we go through and, and, and consummate it in a glorious gathering. So we have to be reminded of that. Otherwise, we get frustrated. I'm the vine, you're the branches. All right. So we have, we have, per, we have no fruit. That's one degree of fruitfulness. No fruit. I'm a sucker. I'm drawn I'm drawn, take, taken, 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 never given back. So no fruit. But then there's fruit. Well, as soon as the fruit dynamic kicks in, purging happens. Purging happens because God's purpose is to increase the fruitfulness. And purging is necessary because we make decisions that oftentimes will hinder God. We make choices that will hinder God, and he has to purge us so that we can be channels through which he's flowing. Now, if a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as in branches, withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. There will be a day of judgment. There will be a day when all of the choices that we make, all of the decisions that we make will be judged. And if you make consistently, make decisions uh, that, that don't line up with, with the purpose of God, it's all going to come out. There will be a day of judgment. But when you, when you, when you make decisions as it says in verse 7, to abide in him. He says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Look at that promise. Will you look at that promise? If at, it's at this point that we learn that prayer is not about us. Remember the end of the journey? When you pray, what is it you ask God for? You know that you're a childish prayer if you're always praying for your needs to be met or for those that you're praying for their needs to be met. That is a given. Ask what you will. This doesn't mean ask anything that comes into your mind. It means have you learned any lessons on the journey? Have you learned anything on this journey? Because if you've learned that he is the source, always connected, he has an ultimate purpose, which is to bring glory to his Father, then your prayers ought to line up with that. Because God knows what you need. God is sovereign. God is omniscient. He already knows what you need. 
Why do we think we have to pray to tell God what we need? What, what is he uninformed? How about praying and asking God that no matter what's happening in your life, when no matter what you're going through, Lord, cause it to bring you glory. Work it so that the end result is that you're glorified. Whatever I'm going through. Okay? See, we oftentimes mistake good stuff for the best stuff. <laughs> God wants us to have the best, and we'll settle, we'll, we'll settle for the good. That's why it came to pass. See, that's the other way you can understand it came to pass. Not only did God do it, he said he would do it, and he did it. But whatever you are, wherever you are in your journey, if you're going through a good, a good season, you're in a wonderful season, there's all kinds of good things happening, trust me, it came to pass. <laughs> if you're in a rough season, I mean, you, are, you don't know why, what's happening is happening, how do I get into this? Trust me, it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It's going to pass. Whatever season you're in, guess what? It's going to change. It's going to change until you learn this simple lesson. It's a simple lesson. It's not complicated. It's just so deep that you never, ever plumb the depths of it. And that is, that is all to the glory of God. It starts with his glory. His glory is what keeps us going. And his glory is where we're going. So ask what you will. Ask anything you want. That will bring him glory. Just ask. What is it? What is it you want that will bring him glory? Then ask him, and he'll do it. Now, now it's not going to happen instantly. That's why you got to understand it goes through seasons. I'm going to give my testimony, and I'm going to finish. Look at week. Now, let me finish where I started. Herein, verse 8, is my father glorified. That you bear what? All right, you see the degrees of fruitfulness? No fruit, fruit, purging, more fruit, abiding, 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 much fruit, and then much fruit to the glory of God. See, the much fruit to the glory of God comes when you finally understand that God in his sovereignty, God in his all-sufficiency, God in his wisdom, God in his everlasting love is going to bring it all to fruition. All of it will come to fruition. Now, it's one thing to hear that, but it's a totally different thing to experience it. Now, you can hear that, and it sounds good. Doesn't that sound good? That all this is going to work out it's going to work out to his glory. It's going to produce fruit to his glory. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of the struggle, when you're in the middle of the season, when you're in the middle of waiting on God, it sounds good. <laughs> but sometimes you have to look back and see how good God is. Because <laughs> while you were in it, it didn't feel all that good. Until you get to that place 
where you've been through enough seasons where you've seen his faithfulness over and over again. And you look back and you see it. I'm going to give you a testimony that I'm going to stop. Two years ago, I was in Newton, Kansas, January, two years ago. I can't believe it's been two years. I got a call. I was teaching perspectives, staying with the Rubke family, wonderful family. You should meet the Rubkes. Ten kids out in the country outside of Wichita, Kansas. They got this middle school out in the country and transported transformed it into living uh, a living space. They took the middle school as <laughs> a gym in it, it has all these classrooms and, all and they they renovated it for their ten their family with ten kids. So when I go to Wichita and stay at Newton, I stay with the root keys. Okay. Michelle and Don and the kids. I got a call. Got home that night from perspectives. I was staying with the rookies, and I got a call from my brother in Detroit. Mother's gone home to be with the Lord. Now, I just couldn't imagine living in a, a world without my mom. She's always been there. Last five years of her life were very hard because dementia had taken her mind. But she was still in there. I spent time with her. And I knew it, but I got that call. The Rupkis gathered around me when I told them and laid hands on me and prayed. And I said, Lord, because I've been in ministry, I've done all the memorial services for my entire family. My grandparents, my aunts and uncles, my nieces and nephews who've died prematurely, my brother, my sisters. I've done all the memorial services. And I said, Lord, how in the world am I going to do this eulogy for my mom? So I laid down. I went to sleep. He prayed for me. Peace came upon me and I laid down. And he ministered to me during the night. I woke up. And all I could think about was all of those wonderful experiences I'd had with my mom down through the years. And this came into my spirit. How can I not do this eulogy? <laughs> when I started thinking about God's faithfulness, my prep partner, everywhere I went, mom was there, either, by, either physically or spiritually. I mean, I remember when I was 12 years old and she had me preach for her missionary circle at our local church. I'm 12 years old. I can still remember. I wasn't even in the ministry. I was just articulate. So she asked me to speak to her missionary circle. Jesus the Savior and God the Sovereign. <laughs> 12 years old. I had no idea I was going to be a preacher. But mother must have seen something. Years later, God called me to preach. And they sent me out to minister. And everywhere I went, my mother came and made friends. <laughs> Lord have mercy. She never would meet a stranger. And she'd make friends. She never greeted you. She kissed you. you know, she, never, she just never said hello. She hugged you. 
That's the way mom was. And, and, and she would have, she'd make friends. I'd leave the church, and she'd have friends at the church for life. There's a lady out in Portland. We'd be sending her these stockings year after year. I say, I got to send you some more stockings. You, you ever seen them stockings with the, with the things on them? She would just send them stockings. She, she would go everywhere. They would. And I thought about all that. I said, God, how can I not tell the story of a faithful praying mother? And here's what happened. Went to my home church, and five generations of my mother's children were at that memorial service. People from the old neighborhood were there from years before. Cousins I hadn't seen in years came out. Loved ones, friends, neighborhood. It was a wonderful celebration of her life. My brother was in Africa. He couldn't make it. My nephew was in, was in New York. He couldn't make it. We had them on a speakerphone. We all gathered and celebrated this wonderful life at a funeral. Because that's when families get together. Well, that was two years ago. And I saw the power of multiple generations of fruitfulness. As I looked out at that congregation, and I know the cousins and the nieces and the nephews and the siblings who are saved and who are not saved. And I had a chance to speak. One of my brothers got up and talked about what experience mom went to and how the universe protected her. Now, you know I couldn't let that stand. <laughs> and I stood up during the eulogy. I said, yeah, she was protected, but it wasn't the universe. It was Jesus. <laughs> it was Jesus. Jesus, who made a promise to, to, to send his angels to have charge over us. And one of my little nieces came to me afterwards. She said, Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil, I said, what? She said, I'm so glad you gave Jesus the glory. It wasn't the universe. It was Jesus. <laughs> In March, hear me, a year ago this March, I celebrated my 50th anniversary in ministry. You know what the Bible calls that, don't you? Jubilee. Do you know what season you're in? The Sabbath is a rest every seven days. The yearly Sabbath is a rest every seven years. But the Jubilee is seven cycles of seven years of God's faithfulness. And then it's Jubilee. All debts are released. You talk about victory. Go back to your ancestral homes where your roots are and celebrate God keeping his promise to your people in your bloodline. My God from Zion, all the decisions you made, all the choices you made, good and bad, doesn't matter in Jubilee. It's time to be set free. Healing comes in Jubilee. Deliverance comes in Jubilee. Restoration comes in Jubilee. Overflow comes in Jubilee. Harvest comes, not just harvest. See, See, harvest comes in due season. Who's in control of the harvest? Who brings due season? Who does he expect to get the harvest? Us. So he brings due season. But Jubilee is due season on steroids. <laughs> Woo! Woo! It's 
due season. Anybody here been through due season? You waited on God and saw him provide. You prayed and you sowed and you, and you believed and you, you waited and God brought due season. Anybody, anybody experience that? Well, I've experienced seven years of seven cycles of due season. And God opened doors up now. So what did we do? We gathered all the family together in Detroit, Michigan. Six generations of my grandmother's children, my first cousins, my, oh, oh, my, all my siblings. Guess what? It wasn't a funeral. We gathered together to celebrate the faithfulness of God. Not just 50 years. God was faithful to my grandmother. God was faithful to my mother. God's been faithful to me. And I'm here to tell you, I know what season I'm in. Jubilee. Do you know what season you're in? Who knows what season you're in? Do you want to know what season you're in? Then pray. If you pray, God will show you what season you're in. If you seek his face, if you call on his name, if you yield yourself, if you, if you recommit yourself to prayer at the deepest level you possibly can, God will show you what season you're in. And I'm telling you, somebody told me when I started sharing this Jubilee word, he said, you know what happened, don't you, 50 years ago in Israel? I said, no, what happened? They reunited Jerusalem as the capital. It's jubilee for Israel. By God from Zion. I'm, I'm here in, in the anointing of jubilee to speak into your life, Piedmont International. To speak into your family. To speak into your finances. To speak into your health. To speak into your children. To speak into your, to your, your pregenitors. I believe God in jubilee raises up young people to bless old people. That's what I believe he does. He puts an anointing on a younger generation that can send the blessings up the generations because the blessings are supposed to come down the generations. But, but, but old people have a tendency to make bad decisions. Instead of the blessings coming down, other things come down. So God said, that's all right in Jubilee. I'm going to raise up a generation of children who know how to pray. And they'll send the blessings up the generations. That's, the kind, that's what I call Full circle blessings. When God ordains something and then works it out, and then another generation rises up and fulfills it. Full circle. I know something about it. Let's stand. Has this been an encouragement to you? Have I, have I said enough to you to encourage you to seek God for what season you're in? Because that's where I want to leave you. I don't want to leave you exhorting you in any, any, any uh, dramatic way. I want you to make up your mind that you are going to pray. Hear from God and discern the season you're in. And then you're going to cooperate with him in this season. God is doing some awesome things in this season. Can we pray right now? Lord, we're learning how to listen. We've learned how to line up with you. 
We've learned how to trust you in the good times and the bad. We've learned that whatever happens, it came to pass. We're just passing through. None of us is here to stay. And now I'm asking you to teach us how to simply come into your presence and be present. Just be. No petitions. No anxiety. No fears. Just be in your presence. Oh, Lord, if we could learn speak in ways we can't imagine and show us things that only you can accomplish. We want to know the season, Lord, that we're in. I want you to reveal to the elders and the leaders of this church what season Piedmont International is in. I want you to reveal that every family unit in this church, every individual person in every family that'll seek you with all their hearts, what season they're in. For I know, God, that the Jubilee dynamic is at work right now in this Jubilee. Where do we fit in to this great, great cycle of blessing that you've brought to pass? If we look with our physical eyes, it seems confusing. So open our spiritual eyes that we can see you at work. hear my prayer. I know everybody in this room has been through something good and bad. And I'm asking you, Lord, I'm asking to show me how it all fits in to your larger purpose. Until that day we gather around your throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah with all the saints that have gone on before gather around your throne with all those who will be reached in this season of harvest will gather around your throne with every nation and every kindred and every tribe and every tongue we'll give you glory oh lord oh lord grant my petition this morning my one prayer is that all that has happened and all that will happen will bring you glory. Hallelujah. 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 offer up all the circumstances of your life to him as a as a thank offering. Willing to do that? As a thank offering. I give it to you, Lord. All the circumstances of my life. And I give it to you. And I thank you for it. Thank you. Thank you for this season. Father, 